Ball at the eight-yard line on first and goal. A snap and the toss to the right. Abdul all kinds of space. Five. End zone. He was all alone. Let his way in there. Jermaine Illuminor led the way. And for the first time here in 2022, the Raiders have a touchdown. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. That is such a funny highlight there for so many reasons. That was the first touchdown call for Jason Horowitz as a member of the Silver and Black. That was from the Hall of Fame game last year. And I don't know if you can hear the crowd noise in the background. It literally sounded like a high school football game. Like you can hear the crowd and maybe the mic was just hanging outside of the press box. Just doing a little crowd mic type scenario. It sounded like a high school football game, and then I realized that you know it's it was uh you know it was Paul Benson Stadium there in uh, in Canton, Ohio, where the Hall of Fame is, or Tom Benson, I should say. Excuse me, Tom Benson Stadium there, uh, the site of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But yeah, there you go, a little high school football action, first call. Uh, yeah, this this uh, preseason is going to be a little bit different for the Raiders, and I don't know how much JT has has uh, talked about on his show, but I believe him and Lincoln Kennedy are going to be doing some Manning cast style. Uh, broadcast for the preseason games, and that's going to make me go to kind of do what JT does, where it's the pre- and the post-game show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So that'll be some fun, kind of switching up the roles, just a little different style in preseason, just to, you know, switch things up and have a little bit of fun. But I'm interested to hear uh, what, uh, you know, JT and Lincoln Kennedy, how they have the little Manning cast style. If you haven't checked out, like, a Monday Night Football game on ESPN uh, when uh, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning are are just kind of breaking down the game, that's kind of the style it's going to be. So I want to see and hear, obviously, how that's going to sound, but uh, JT and Lincoln are, I believe, are going to do that this upcoming preseason. Of course, it gets started at Allegiant Stadium on what August 13th with the 49ers. Then they uh, they head down to Southern California with the Rams, and then they close out the preseason in Big D against the Dallas Cowboys. And no, Aria will not do my Jerry Jones impersonation again for you. I will not. I think my throat still hurts from that. I did get you to talk about high school football just now, though. So, I'm but I love it. that. You know what's funny is people get angry sometimes when I talk about high school football. I love high school football. That's where it all starts. It's where it all starts, and I didn't even realize that. Like that's the thing about it. I didn't even realize how important and big it was, and how much it means to even former pl- or to, to players. Right. If you talk to players and you talk about their high school or their college, they want to go in like in-depth conversation. And that's where it all starts. And, and so you start to get a lot of storylines and you start to get to know these guys and you start to see them grow and go from high school to college. And then you see them in the pros. And you're like, man, I remember that dude when, you know, he was playing on Friday nights. Then he advanced to Saturdays. Now he's playing on Sundays. I just think high school football is a, is a really good storyline. And it's a lot of fun to, to go ahead and cover and, and obviously watch. And it means a lot. Some communities, man, high school football means everything. Now, of course, I spent the last, you know, 11, 12 years of my life in Texas, and that's where high school football is absolute king. There's certain places, including Canton, Ohio, where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is. That high school football is massive there as well. But the question that we threw out there to you on the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Give me one surprise that you can actually see happening coming out of training camp? That's the question I throw out there to you. Uh, My answer was I think that one undrafted free agent, I don't know who it is, offensively or defensively, one undrafted free agent will be a starter coming out of training camp. That's going to be my my big, bold statement for the day. That'll be the one that I got. And, again, I have no idea who that's going to be. I know there's a handful of undrafted free agents that look like they're talented dudes. But, again, we're only two two days into training camp. So uh, you you don't want to take too much from it. The guys don't have pads on yet. 
They haven't done, you know, any kind of real drills against another team like the 49ers when they come in for joint practices. That'll give you an idea. The Rams, that'll give you an idea as well. You know, once they start to see some preseason action, maybe you can get a a better idea of who could be that guy. But for me, that's just kind of where I'm going. I'm going to say that an undrafted free agent is going to be a starter coming out of training camp. So what says you? 69187, keyword R&R, and 702-365-9200. We got Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports coming up at 3.30. She'll talk all things LV Aces. Dave B. Oh, no, I already said Dave B's. Uh, this one for the 916, just talking about injuries. Injuries can happen anytime, any place, any play. Joe Burrow, that's from Raider Ryan. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, also, another text from uh, the 209, players get hurt regardless. If they hold out or not, Burrow got hurt today with a calf injury. So don't buy that holding out and getting hurt BS. Let's just hope everyone stays healthy and we have a chance to compete this year. I understand exactly what you're saying. And I'm just speaking for myself, and that's the only person I can ever speak for is me. I always felt that when players held out, there was a chance that they were going to get injured just because they weren't, you know, going through the training camp process. They weren't going through, you know, the the stretching. And I know they don't get hit all the time, but still, you know, like like Josh McDaniel said last year, kind of getting calloused up a little bit, just getting a little bit of, you know, a little burn here and there, something that they can get used to. But again, that's just me. You're absolutely right. Like Joe Burrow is is practicing, and he goes down with a non-contact injury. Jalen Ramsey is practicing. He gets caught up in the, the legs of Tyreek Hill. So injuries can happen in, in football at any time. That is the number one reason why I never get mad at players for holding out. Now, if you're a player that every single year you're like, nope, I have outplayed my contract. I need more money. Like that, that, that becomes annoying, right? And, and so at that point, it's like, all right, dude. Something's got to give. But when a player has an opportunity to get a contract extension and they want to maximize that and get the most, I don't care how much they get. I don't care how much they want. I don't blame them. If, if, someone's, if a team is willing to give them as much money, like Justin Herbert got all that money he just was given by the Chargers, hasn't won a playoff game yet, okay, that's what the market says. Dak Prescott's making $40 million a year. I don't think he's a $40 million a year quarterback, but that's what the market said. You know, so, hey, so be it. Like I said, I'll never get mad at a player for going out and getting their, uh, getting their money. So uh, there's that. One more text, and then we'll get to the interview I did on ESPN a little earlier uh, this afternoon. This one comes from the 661. Uh, what's up, Q? Let them know how it looks. Uh, it's looking forward to the season. Everyone needs to be ready. New season is upon us. Can't wait to see which I drafted rookie starts, which undrafted rookie starts, I guess. That's what it meant to say. Uh, kind of a jumbled text right there from the 661. So uh, definitely appreciate that. But, yeah, uh, hit us with your feedback. 69187, keyword R&R. That's the text line at 702-365-9200. We'll also hear from Patrick Graham. He talked to the media. He was the first one in the media room following practice. So that'll come up after you hear the conversation I had on ESPN uh, just a couple hours ago. Uh, Shea Cornette and Harry Douglas, longtime NFL wide receiver, were doing NFL training camp two-a-days. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation two-a-days. Time is here. On ESPN Radio. The Las Vegas Raiders. This is Raiders reporter Paul Gutierrez, and the biggest storyline for Las Vegas wonders if Jimmy Garoppolo is an upgraded quarterback over Derek Carr. The Raiders believe so. Otherwise, they would not have cut a nine-year starter and signed the oft-injured Garoppolo. The thinking is a healthy Garoppolo is indeed an upgrade in this offensive system. And his familiarity with Coach Josh McDaniel's scheme from their time together in New England. Granted, they were last together in 2017, but using Jared Stidham as an example, Stidham looked more comfortable in his two starts to end last season than Carr did in 15 games. Remember, McDaniel's scheme was the only one Stidham had known since entering the NFL in 2019. If familiarity breeds contempt, the Raiders hope it also 
brings success. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. Continuing with Two-A-Days here on ESPN Radio as we move to the Raiders, as we just heard. This is ESPN Radio. Shay Cornett, Harry Douglas here with you, and we're joined now by Q Myers. You can hear him as the host of Raiders Nation Radio. And so thanks for being with us, Q. And so let's hear how things are going there because, of course, the big question has to do with the quarterback position and Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, he had offseason surgery. and He's a full go, it sounds like. There's no restriction. So how would you describe the start of the Jimmy G era there in Vegas? Well, it kind of goes, uh, you know, as expected, right? I mean, he's a guy that looks very familiar and very comfortable in Josh McDaniels' scheme. He's a guy that the big question is what you mentioned. You know, is he going to be there for the start of training camp because of that foot surgery that he had? But once he was cleared on Sunday, he was a good go uh, to start on on Wednesday for training camp. Uh, We just got wrapped up with training camp today. He was looking good today. And the one thing that the Raiders are doing that I think is smart in this situation, and and Harry could, uh, you know, kind of attest to this if this is something that he's seen and thinks is a smart idea as well, they're getting all the quarterbacks reps with the ones like Devontae is getting passes from Brian Hoyer and also Aiden O'Connell. So it's not like Jimmy G is just throwing with the ones and Aiden O'Connell is just throwing with the threes. They're kind of getting everybody with familiar right now because they can, it's early in training camp and it's kind of letting these wide receivers get the, the feel from different quarterbacks, what the ball looks like coming out, what it, you know, what the cadence sounds like. And it's just, it's, it's really kind of a quick pace camp to start. It's only two days in, so it won't overreact to anything I'm seeing but it looks like that they're feeling comfortable in what they're doing so far in year two with Josh McDaniels. So, Q, how would this offense look differently with Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position versus Derek Carr? Well, I think it's just a lot of the ball getting out of Jimmy's hands really quickly. I mean, Jimmy's not a guy that you're going to see him stretching the field a lot. I mean, he's taken a couple shots so far in camp, early in camp, but he looks very comfortable with getting that ball, taking that step, and boom, right, it comes out, whether it's the Levante or Jacoby Myers or Hunter Renfro. He looks very comfortable in that role, you know, and he's just he's, he surveys the field really quickly and then gets it out. And I think that that's one of the biggest things. Uh, let the wide receivers, let the backs out of the backfield, let them go ahead and get the yards after the catch. So I just really think that with the familiarity, with the understanding of what Josh wants, he's going to be able to implement that. And, of course, like he hasn't been in the system for a handful of years, so he still is trying to get comfortable. But you can see glimpses here and there. There's Every once in a while, you'll see that, oh, Jimmy, or why Jimmy throw that we've heard about it quite a bit when he was in San Francisco. He'll do that every once in a while. But so far, uh, there's been some pretty decent throws from Jimmy. All right, that's good news then, of course, if you're a Raiders fan. We're talking to Q Myers right now, host of Raider Nation Radio, joining us here on ESPN Radio. Shay Cornett, Harry Douglas here with you. And so the big question mark is what is going on with Josh Jacobs. Obviously, Saquon Barkley signed his deal, and so that drama is over there with the Giants. He was able to attend training camp. And so the last really holdout with the running back position that we're all focused on is Josh Jacobs. What's the latest you're hearing, or what do you know, Q? Well, I just think that they're waiting, you know, just waiting for Josh. They, they, they talked about him, and he's been talked about quite a bit the first two days of training camp uh, from either head coach Josh McDaniels or different players on the team, and they all respect what he has to do for himself on the business side of things. And so they're just kind of waiting. They're not talking like Jim Irsay is talking in Indianapolis on Twitter about, mm-hmm. you know, running backs and their, their lack of uh, respect when it comes to getting paid. They're just waiting for him to do what he does. And I honestly, and this is just a gut feeling, I think that what's ultimately going to happen is similar to what happened with Saquon Barkley. They put a little sugar on top of that franchise tag. He comes in and plays. I just, I don't see a situation where he leaves $10 million on the table. It just, it doesn't make any sense. It hasn't proven to make it make any sense so far. Uh, what we've seen throughout the history of the NFL. I mean, it's just, you're losing a year and you're losing a lot of money. So I don't know what it'll mean for the long term, 
But, you know, I think that that's what happens with Josh Jacobs. In the meantime, you know, they have a plethora of running backs that they're out, you know, they have out there working right now. And, and the guys, you know, Zamir White, a former fourth-round pick out of Georgia, he's a guy that's getting a lot of burn right now. Sincere McCormick is a guy, a name that I'd like to pay attention to and I'm going to pay attention to out of UTSA. They, uh, they put him on IR last year in May. And I felt like when they did that, they put him on IR for a reason. I felt like they stashed him for a reason, and now you see him out there getting some burns. So they have plenty of running backs that are working while Josh Jacobs is training you know, by himself and figuring out what he's going to do with the contract situation. I think it gets taken care of sometime you know, a week or two weeks before the first week of the season against Denver when they take off and have that road trip against Denver. But, I mean, only time will tell. They bought in on the defensive side. Three people who I think are going to be key pieces for the Raiders in this defense in 2023. And, you know, Marcus Peters, they just signed him at the cornerback position. Marcus Sepps, we all know what he meant to the Philadelphia Eagles at the safety position. But also their first-round draft pick in Tyree Wilson. You add those guys to Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, in which I think they, they, they're hoping he has a better year uh, from start to finish. What improvements will we see from the defense this year? Well, I'll tell you, it's something, Harry, that I've been very uh, emphatic about. I've been trying to emphasize on my local radio show that they need to get a lot better in creating turnovers. It's just that simple, right? Six interceptions in 2022 is not going to cut it. Marcus Peters is a guy that, you know, if you average out what he's done throughout the course of his career, he has 32 career interceptions, right? That's 26 more than the Raiders as a team had last season, right? They only had six. That's that's not going to cut it. And so one of the big emphasis that Coach McDaniels and even Coach Graham, we just talked to him a little while ago, was talking about was affecting the quarterback and affecting the ball. Hits, pressures, sacks, right? Turnovers, uh, knocking the ball down, PBUs, pass breakups. That all has to improve. And that's where a guy like Marcus Epps, who had the most, the majority of the snaps defensively for the Eagles last year, where he steps up. Marcus Peters, ball hawk by nature, right? I mean, he's going to be that guy that's going to go out there and look for the ball. And that's, that's just what they have to do. And, and Harry, they've had in two days in a row, their linebacker, Devon Diablo, who a lot of people have high expectations for, has had an opportunity to get, get a turnover, create a turnover. He's had his hands on the ball twice. And both times it fell to the ground. So that's stuff that, again, only two days in the training camp, they've got to work on that. They've got to secure that ball and take it the other way. Well, that's, that's, yeah. that's important because those type of plays when you can intercept that football and then the offense goes down and scores a touchdown because you've missed a chance to get a turnover, those are the types that yep. really hurt you in football games too. Yeah, don't want to have Yeah, there's that. no doubt. And that's something that has hurt them for years, not only last year, but for years. And that's got to get cleaned up first and foremost. No doubt, because uh, the Raiders start three of their first four games of the season on the road against pretty yep. prolific offenses, so they better figure that out early on. All right, Q, thanks so much for the insight. We really appreciate it. Shay Cornett and Harry Douglas from ESPN Radio a little earlier just doing a little NFL training camp two-a-days, and uh, they were focusing on the Raiders, so they wanted to give me a call. So, boom, there it was. That was my uh, overall assessment of the first two days of training camp and what I believe the team is looking for when it comes to an offense led by Jimmy G, emphasis on the defensive side of the ball, what Marcus Epps, Marcus Peters, and, uh, and also uh, Tyree Wilson could bring to the table defensively if all out there and all healthy. So that was the conversation from a little while ago on ESPN Radio. I mentioned talking to Coach Patrick Graham. We did get a chance to talk to Coach Graham, so I wanted to bring a couple sound bites to the table. And the first one is about Marcus Peters. We've talked to everybody about Marcus Peters, whether it's Max Crosby, whether it's offensive linemen, whether it's Coach, Coach McDaniels, whatever the case may be. Coach Graham, one of the first questions asked to him today was what Marcus Peters brings to the team. 
Well, he knows more than anybody just having experience in the league that each year is different and you got to prove yourself each year. I know he's excited about the opportunity. I'm excited about working with him. And, you know, obviously what he's done in the past, you know, having seen him on film, you know, been on teams where our offensive coaches are, are aware of where he's at. So it's definitely a positive to have that type of ball hawking mentality. But, you know, we're just working. He's excited about the opportunity and I'm excited to work with him. Patrick Graham right there just talking about Marcus Peters, what he brings to the table. And Vinny Bonsignor, if you just checked in right now to the show, Vinny Bonsignor joined us in the first hour and said Marcus didn't have a very active day today, and he didn't. He had to spend a lot of time on the sideline just watching and learning, and I think that they're going to bring him along slowly is something that Vinny said as well. Uh, but there was a lot of young guys getting some burn today, but you did see Marcus out there just kind of uh, doing a lot of, uh, I guess, classroom work, but on the field as far as I'm concerned. But you heard right there Patrick Graham talking about what he brings to the table and that ball hawking mentality, and that's something that as I talked to Harry Douglas and Shea Cornett earlier that they've got to do they've got to come up with turnovers I've been preaching it on this show I don't know how long right all offseason I think that that's been something I've been talking about is at some point it's got to become second nature they've got to be able to come up with those plays so here's Patrick Graham talking about wanting a defense that actually goes and looks for the ball you know, on defense, you know, we talk about defending the field, defending the situations, but it's also about being disruptive. And the number one way to disrupt is to have turnovers. So obviously it's one of the main emphasis points we make, you know, it's something that we know we have to work on every day. You know, coach has given us uh, plenty of opportunities in terms of periods and practice to be able to work it. So, you know, we're going to try to instill it in everybody. You want a defense that's looking for the ball. Patrick Graham right there talking about a defense that looks for the ball. That's another thing that used to frustrate me, and this has been a few years now, and anyone who's been watching the Raiders for a long time knows what I'm talking about. When that ball will be in the air, how many times does a Raider defensive back not go and look for the ball, not locate the ball, and then automatically a P.I. would be called, right? If you don't turn your head and look for the ball, try to locate it automatically. Like, there's already a good chance a P.I. is going to be called because it's an offensive league, and that's just what it is. A defensive back makes a good play. It's like, oh, flag on the play. Unless you're Vegas Jess, and <laughs> he's not, Vegas Jess is never going to get enough of this. Every time we talk about any kind of wide receiver or defensive back, I always got to talk about when he pushed off on me. And he every time texts me, I was like, dude, you're still telling this story. And it's so bad. It's so bad that I keep telling this story, but I have to. <laughs> I have more to. strays in the mon. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, that. he deserves to. He deserves He pushed off. But you know, it's, so you it's, say. I know exactly. Yeah. That's no. That's, you're exactly right, Ari. It's so I say, right? <laughs> There's video footage somewhere, but I think it's been destroyed. I'm just gonna say, if it hasn't, Vegas just like, no, it hasn't. I got it. Still got a couple more sound bites from Patrick Graham, and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, how about Divine Diablo? He's a guy that has had his hands on the ball uh, the last couple days, but he hasn't been able to secure it. One day, the first day, Wednesday, it was right there in the square of his hands. He's got to get that one. Today, it was much tougher. He saw the ball. He located the ball. He went up and high-pointed it with one hand and brought it in, and then he dropped it. But, I mean, it was a much tougher interception than, than Wednesday's, right? So uh, I can give him a pass for that one because the effort's there, and I know these guys aren't going to make every single play. Uh, at least he's getting in the habit of looking for the ball. Well, here's Patrick Graham just talking about linebacker Divine Diablo. The thing, you know, as he's learned to play the position more and more and more, and as a linebacker, it's about being able to have some anticipation, some awareness pre-snap. That's always key because they're usually in some sort of run-pass conflict. And the better they understand that, the better off, they, the more likely they are to make plays. And then we'll see when the physicality comes into it when we get to next week with the pads and stuff. But it all starts from film study 
you know, him getting in his playbook, understand what we're doing and understand the people, how the people around him are working together, leveraging the formation, leveraging coverage, and knowing where he can make plays. I know a lot of people have been asking about when the pads are going to come on. I've seen some people say it's going to happen on Saturday. I don't know. I just heard Patrick Graham say next week. So I'm just going to kind of go with what he says. So I'm assuming it's probably going to be Saturday or be Monday, uh, or, or if not Monday, then early next week that they put the pads on. But uh, he was also talking about Devon Diablo, and that will be the interesting part, right? When it's physical, when the pads are on, then how are those guys? Are the guys still flying around? Are they still looking for the ball? Are they still getting their hands up? Because when you're getting hit, it's different than when you're just flying around and feel like nobody's going to come and clean your clock, right? I mean, you, you feel pretty good about yourself. You can go up and you can put both hands in the air and just expose your ribs because you're not going to get drilled. So I want to see what it looks like, obviously, when the pads come on. Final soundbite from defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, who met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, was the question that I asked. And I've been asking every player on defense. I've been asking Coach McDaniels. Uh, and, I, and I've been talking about it quite a bit here on the show, setting goals for the players defensively. How do they go about it? You know, sacks, pressures, turnovers, interceptions, whatever the case may be. How does Patrick Graham go about setting goals for the players? Usually when you talk to these guys, they're, really, they're you know, they're, they're driven by goals, right? And if you give them, you know, you tell them, okay, listen, and if you show them, like, whether it's statistically or just show them how this correlates to winning, turnovers and takeaways, that, I mean, that's, that's, it correlates to winning. And, you know, you got a room full of guys that want to win, so you tell them how important it is, and then we, we work on it. And then you, you gotta, if you're going to emphasize it, if you're going to say something about it, you got to emphasize it in practice and in the meetings. So didn't really go into too much detail on how he sets goals, but basically he's talking about these guys set their own goals. And, uh, again, I, I don't have any problem with whatever they do because that's what they do. They're the coaches. They know better than I do. Uh, I, just, I just feel like that there should be something. Right, and, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna ride that out. I feel like there should be something that you can get the eyes on. What do they always say? Put the eyes on the prize. I feel like there should be some eyes on the prize type moment, right? And, and just these, just it kind of, like I said, instills it in their minds that this is something that they've got to do. When you struggle as bad as the Raiders have for years on creating turnovers, I feel like something's got to be there. Something's got to be there where you know maybe some teams can say, well, we don't want to put a number out there because we don't want to put a cap on it. Okay, fine. Because you're so good that that's, that's just what it is. Like, I'm sure the Eagles don't have to put a, a, you know, a certain number on sacks that they want to get. They had 70 last year. <laughs> and maybe they did. Maybe they had a number that they were thinking. I don't know. Obviously, don't cover the Eagles. But I just feel like that there should be some kind of eyes on the prize type moment. And there probably is. They're just not going to tell us, which is fine, because they don't have to. I did want to give a quick update. Uh, Adam Schefter said Dolphins six-time Pro Bowl cornerback Jalen Ramsey will undergo knee surgery and is expected to miss the start of the regular season with the injury that he suffered during today's practice per league sources. Ramsey's ACL is intact, though, which is a positive. So I guess it sounds like Jalen Ramsey escaped major injury but still has to have some kind of uh, knee surgery to get back onto the field. So that's definitely not a positive. When you start talking about injuries in training camp, uh, it stinks. I don't care what team the guys play for. You never want to see a guy go down uh, in training camp. But it sounds like Jalen Ramsey uh, suffered some kind of knee injury where he's going to have to have a surgery. It sounds like it might be arthroscopic, which is a lot better than a torn ACL. So uh, that's the latest right there from Adam Schefter. 3.23 is the time. We'll come back, get to a couple texts, a couple calls, and then we'll get to Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She'll tell us all things about the Las Vegas Aces. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Ray thought about it. Instead of no looker to plumb, drives and finishes with the left hand. Can anybody keep the plumb dog in front of him? <laughs> That's the question. 
And we've seen it a few times going to her right. This is a left dominant player going right again, getting by everybody, finishing, finding the camera. <laughs> it's Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 on Unnecessary Roughness. Paloma will join us in a few minutes to talk all things LV Aces here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Ari in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. Wanted to pass a couple nuggets along before we get to Paloma. This one's from Diana Rossini from ESPN. Bengals sources have confirmed what Zach Taylor shared after practice. Quarterback Joe Burrow has a strained calf. So that sounds good. So far, pretty positive news as much as it could be when it comes to Jalen Ramsey. Yes, he's going to have to have knee surgery, but it's not ACL surgery. Sounds like it's meniscus and will probably just have arthroscopic and miss a few games. That's the best-case scenario, and it sounds like Joe Burrow has a strained calf and he'll be okay. But I would not expect to see Joe Burrow anytime soon. Also, I had a couple texts that I wanted to get to as well. 69187, keyword R&R. Of course, the question I threw out there, give me one surprise that you can actually see happening coming out of training camp. Uh, This is a text from Mark in Jersey. He said, my surprise is Trayvon Merritt gets cut. He hasn't been very impressive. And thank you for the text, Mark. I do appreciate you. And I'll say this. Again, always want to emphasize I'm not going to overreact to what I see in training camp so far. It's only a couple days. But I mentioned it to Vinny, and I don't know if he he picked up on it when I said it. Um, Trayvon Merrick has been out there, but that's it. He's just been out there. Like, I haven't seen him actively around the ball yet. But, again, don't want to take too much into a couple days of practice. But uh, he he does need to have a big practice. Nate Hobbs hasn't been out there at all because of the, the softball to the eye injury. So he hasn't been out there. I think he's missing valuable time. But Trayvon Merrick has been out there. He's been available, but he's just been out there and available so far. So I do think that training camp is going to be really big for him. He's got to make some plays. He's got to show that he belongs. So, Mark, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you joining us now on the phone lines, as promised, from Fox 5 Sports is our good friend Paloma Villacana. Paloma, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you. And Start, I want to start off and talk about Candace Parker. She uh, had foot surgery. You found that out the other day. The Aces put out the, the statement on that. Um, does it sound like Candace Parker, from what you've been hearing or whatever the case may be, is going to be back in time for the playoffs? Um, that is a great question. And, of course, the Aces would love to have her back for the playoffs. And, you know, she's a huge part of the team. They obviously signed her this offseason to be a huge part of the team. Um, but it is day-to-day with her. And I know I haven't been in the facility because the Aces have been on the road um, playing a couple games on the road. They'll be back at home on Sunday. Um, so I can't wait to catch up with the Aces this Sunday when they, when they host the Wings. Um, at the Global Ultra Arena, but um, interested to hear how Becky Hammond kind of moves forward. I know Candace Parker wasn't having the strongest season that she's had with the Aces. She's kind of been more of a facilitator um, with the Aces, but uh, when you don't have, you know, two-time WNBA champion out there, um, you know, that's a factor out there. That just means that the bench has to pick up some more time. Um, We saw Kia Stokes was in the starting lineup in the last game, but the Aces continue to win without her. Um, and kind of like at the beginning of the season, like what I mentioned, you know, when, when, when the Aces first took, took the court in game number one in Seattle, you know, it was it was really impressive to see Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, the core, um, you know, come out really strong. So I know that, that they signed Alicia Clark and they signed Candace Parker, who are huge additions to the team this year, but 
I think the Aces will do fine and, and continue to win without her. Yeah, no, I think they will as well. And, you know, the thing about it is I, I thought one of their big advantages for the postseason was the fact that they did have some uh, added depth. Now it looks like they don't have as much depth as they had. But how much do you think it will help them because they did win a championship last year with a very short bench? Yeah, and, and Asia Wilson is always like, you know, it, it doesn't matter what's going on in the team. She's going to come out the same way every single game. Kelsey Plum is going to come out the same way every day. And, you know, maybe the bench players get more time is exactly what they want. You know, we've seen a, a big leap this year from Kirsten Bell, uh, Kia Stokes. Everyone on the bench is, is stepping up this season, and that's, that's exciting. That's what you want to see is that, you know, when Asia Wilson comes out, someone comes back in. And, um, you know, Asia Wilson has played the bench, actually. She has said that the bench is what fuels what fuels them on the court. And when they go out and when they come out and sit down for a few minutes, um, you know, it's fun to watch Kirsten Bell come back out on the court and, you know, hit some big threes and come in and, and put in the energy like she did in Chicago. So, um, yeah, Becky Hammond has depth this year. That's for sure. They definitely have depth. I know I remember last year in the playoffs, Asia Wilson played – you know, all but like about four minutes right. in the playoffs last season. So for them to have depth is huge this year. And of course, um, you know, you hope Candace Parker can come out uh, and be ready for, for the postseason because who wouldn't want Candace Parker on the, on the court out there when you're going up against the best of the best in the WNBA? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And look, the, the Aces have only lost two games so far this season. But to me, yeah. Paloma, it feels like Becky has been going to her bench earlier just to get them some burn against the top-notch competition so they will be prepared when their numbers is called, especially in the postseason. Yeah, she has. But she has also kept in, you know, Kelsey Plum, you know, as the clock is winding down. So um, it's been interesting to see Becky's strategy to, to, you know, keep Asia Wilson in the whole time, you know, take her out. You know, Becky, Becky, she reminds me of Nick Saban. You know, they can be up 60 points, you know, and she's still running a really hard offense, a really hard defense. Um, you know, they're, they're super unsatisfied. So, um, you know, even if they're up 30, if they're up 20, um, they're going to still bring it just because they are, they are determined to be one of the best teams the W has ever seen this season. That's exactly what we're seeing. Um, just a complete domination by the Aces. If you haven't been to a game this season, definitely pack the house on Sunday. Uh, they're playing Dallas, which is a, a team that's only one of their yeah. two L's this season. So it'll be a good game this Sunday at the house. Again, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. I'm glad you brought up the Dallas uh, the Dallas Wings. Excuse me, I almost called them the uh, hockey team. But, no, they're, <laughs> the, they're, the te- yeah, the, yeah, they're the team that beat the Aces, and they also played them really close as well. What is it about Dallas that gives the Aces such fits? I think they're the biggest team in the WNBA as far as uh, size. You know, they got some really big players uh, on that team. And, you know, so, so do the Aces. The Aces are, are tall, too. Uh, but when you take out Candace Parker, you know, that's definitely a factor for sure. She's, she's tall. She's tall out there. So, mm-hmm. so Dallas is big, and I think Kelsey Plum was saying, you know, they use their size to advantage, to their advantage. Um, you know, they lost on the road in Dallas. I think it was like 80 to 78. So it was a yeah. super close game, a game that came down to the wire. Um, and, you know, every, every loss and every win is, is, is cutthroat in the WNBA because it's the best of the best talent. Um, we all know there's only 12 teams in the WNBA. So this is like the best of the best basketball right. players in the world going head-to-head. So, um, you know, the Aces will want to defend home court. 
um, and and come out and and put up another dub on on Sunday. And I'm, I'm glad they're back at home. They've been on the road for the past couple of days. Um, so for the Aces to be back at home on Sunday is big. Um, and I know on the weekends, the games are always sold out. So right. super excited for Sunday's game. Yeah, no, I, I am as well. And they're playing some really good ball. And, you know, I think we don't talk about Kelsey Plum enough. Like we talk about yeah. her a lot, but I don't know if we talk about her enough because to me, Paloma, she's taken her game to a whole nother level this year. Her and Jackie Young, to me, have yeah. really been outstanding. The highlights have just been unreal. I mean, if you go on Twitter and you look at SportsCenter and you look at, you know, a few highlights they watch, I mean, the entire game is just ridiculous, right? You're just watching a team getting completely, you know, torn apart by the aces. Um, But Becky Hammond said, you know, there is no defense for Chelsea Gray. There is no defense uh, for Kelsey Plum because they are so elite. They're so good at at their game. They are, you know, in the gym every single day with each other and, Kelsey Gray with her no-look passes to Kelsey Plum is, is just, oh, it's so great. Um, but some of the highlights, you know, SportsCenter posts are like maybe some of the best WNBA highlights I've ever seen. Uh, there was a play where they didn't even dribble the ball. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, threw it inbounds. Yep. And Kelsey Plum threw it to Kirsten Bell. And Kirsten, I'm just like, what is going on? So, um, you know, I, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of them to see – how dominant they were last year when they won a championship, the first ever championship here in Las Vegas. To see just how how much better they've become this season, uh, it's almost scary to think about how much better they'll be next year uh, when they come out as as the Aces. So hopefully another uh, championship, you know, in in the books this year. Another parade coming soon. <laughs> Um, that's the city of Las Vegas, you know. We got to prepare for another parade soon. So there you go. Um, right? No, the Aces are are dominant. They are they're definitely unstoppable this season. Yeah, no, they're playing some good ball. If there is one area of concern that I have, Paloma, and it's not really a major concern, they're scoring a ton of points. They're ninety, a hundred points, but they're also giving up a lot of points. How how concerned is Becky Hammond when it comes to the defense? They play strong defense, but it seems like it's not consistently throughout the course of the game. Yeah, I think they play better defense at home, to be honest. Yeah. Um, almost like a home court, you know, pride of, you know, you're not going to score on me, you know, I'm not going to let you score. Um, you know, they're they're really, you know, dominant at home, whereas on the road, they've won some close games on the road for mm-hmm. sure. Um, just because, you know, the, the, the travel, that they don't have charter flights and that they're traveling across uh, the country having to, you know, go through airports and all of that, so... That for sure plays a factor in these, you know, cross the country road trips. But yeah, they may they may be sleeping on the defensive side of the ball a little bit on the road, whereas you know at home they're putting up thirty, you know, twenty five, thirty point wins at home. So Becky Hammond is always emphasizing the defensive side of the ball. She's always, you know, tweaking her defense because uh, she knows her team is is unstoppable. But um, yeah, there's been some close close wins this. This game, uh, this summer, and I know Sunday, probably going to be a close win, too. Yeah, no, it is. And the good thing for the Aces is the next couple are at home Sunday and Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, as you yep. mentioned. So uh, that's talking about everything going on on the court. Wanted to ask mm-hmm. you about the adversity yeah. going on off the court. Of course, we heard about Raquana Williams. That's a legal mm-hmm. situation. How does Becky Hammond kind of keep her team locked in and focused? I know Raquana hasn't played this season with the back injury, mm-hmm. but how does she keep her just kind of focused in, locked in, and not worry about stuff that's going off on the court, off the court, I mean? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of been the tale this season with all the off the court, um, you know, 
issues the Aces have had at the beginning of the or the preseason with Becky Hammond being suspended for two games, um, with everything that went on with Erica Hamby, um, now with Raquana Williams um, and her charges. So um, I know that that when it comes to the mentality of locking in at practice, you know, Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum and all of them are, are super, super, super strong mentally. You know, the way they approach the game, the way they come out of practice, um, you know, they are elite, you know, best of the athletes best athletes in the world when it comes to how they approach the game mentally. Um, so I'm sure that, you know, Raquana Williams, you know, of course it's their teammate. They're going to definitely reach out to her, but I don't think it's going to affect the way they approach the game and the way they approach practice. And, um, you know, Kelsey Plum said what an advantage it is to have their training facility uh, this season, you know, for yep. them to be in their gym and to have a home this season. So um, maybe off-the-court issues would have, affected them a little bit more when they're hopping around town and they don't really have a, a home base. But, um, you know, now that they have a training facility and they have their own practice courts and their own gym and their own uh, cold tubs and everything, uh, they seem pretty locked into me, Q. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. They're, they're playing, like I mentioned before, they're playing some really good ball. Uh, it's great to see. I, I think that they're a hell of a team. They just obviously got to keep it together once they get yep. to the postseason as well. And Paloma, before we uh, before we let you go, I did want to ask you about UNLV. Uh, it's right around the corner. It'll be the beginning yeah. of the college football season. Uh, what are you seeing or what are you hearing from the Rebels? Yeah, I mean, I spent a great week with them at the West Media Days. Um, you know, just a great energy, great excitement, great vibe. Um, you know, it was a blessing to get to catch up with Doug Brumfield. I feel like we haven't really talked to Doug Brumfield a lot in his career because he's been so injured uh, so much in his, his three years at UNLV. So um, great to see him healthy. Um, he's added about 20 pounds of, of muscle this off season. Um, so he's tall. He looks bigger. Um, Barry Odom is really confident with, with Doug Brumfield this year saying that, um, you know, he thinks he could play as a, as a national player. He could be a national player this year. Um, and that's, that's the, that's the secret sauce to keep (laughs) Doug Brumfield healthy. Um, because when he's out there, he's a playmaker. He's tall, six, seven, six, 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 seven. Um, you know, he can move the chains. He can run the ball. He uses his legs to extend plays. Um, and then he can throw, you know, 75 yard dimes downfield. So, um, you know, he's, he's an elite athlete. So if, if Doug Brumfield and, and that staff can keep him healthy and then, you know, take care of the offensive line and take care of the defensive line and make sure that the starters are healthy, um, you know, they, they have a chance to, to compete in the Mountain West. So what I'm feeling around Barry Odom is just, you know, a, a job that, that needs to get done. And, and Barry Odom told us this isn't a work in progress. You know, this isn't a, a, a five-year game plan. He's coming in to win games and win games now so he understands the task at hand and um we'll see what happens with michigan um you know they play them the second week of the football season so um i know everything going on with jim harbaugh is is a lot going on too so and then you got things going on with colorado moving to the big 12 yeah (laughs) like every single day q is like what is happening in college football but right um, that's just kind of the the yeah, the landscape now, you know, that teams are moving, players are transferring, you know, you have new new coaches, new players every single year. So keeps you on your toes. Right. It fe- almost feels like I'm glad you brought up Colorado and the fact that they're going to the Big 12. That got approved actually yesterday. They applied for it today. Uh, it's all good to go now. They'll be leaving after this season. But 
does that mean that really there's no doubt San Diego State's going to end up in the Pac-12 now? Like yeah, it just, right. Yeah, it you, feels yeah, like you it. would have to think so, right? Yeah, and they almost mm-hmm. did. They almost did this right. year. Um, but you know, it didn't become official. Um, the Mountain West Commissioner, you know, you know, put that to bed as soon as possible and said that you know San Diego State will be a part of the Mountain West. But um, yeah, I mean, that opens that kind of opens the door for San Diego State and and other teams in the Mountain West, and you know, other teams to move into the Mountain West as well. So um, yeah, that's just kind of the landscape of how college football is moving it's it's it's, it definitely feels uh and some some coaches you know some head coaches have talked about just how um i don't know the right word q just it's always like moving things are always changing yeah um every off season with this transfer portal you know with um players leaving and even star star players you know transferring in the nil like it is just a completely different game than when i was in college and you know you had your freshman players there till their senior year. That's just that sounds like a completely different sport, you know, yeah. compared to what we're seeing now. So definitely different, definitely different. Yeah, it's like free agency. It's free agency for the players, free agency for the programs. <laughs> yes. It's like everyone's yes. on the move. Well, good stuff, Paloma. As always, yeah. what are you what are you working on that we should be able to look out for? Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for the football season coming up. Um, my first rub zone with Barry Odom will be August 27th. Um, and yeah, we're, we're full speed ahead with, with the Raiders and UNLV football and the aces are still rolling. So, um, a lot on our plate right now, but you know, it's awesome. Super awesome. Super excited for football season. Yeah. And then the, uh, aces, they're uh, partnering with Nevada health centers to provide the affordable mammography, uh, uh, mammography screenings. Yeah. That's going to happen on Friday, right? Yes. Yeah. That'll happen tomorrow. I know we'll be out there. I believe the aces will be out there around 1 PM. So, um, you know, it's great that the Aces are always doing something in the community as well um, and that, you know, you can meet the players and meet the staff staff members, you know, off the court and get to, like, you know, see some of your favorites uh, away from the basketball court. So, you know, hats off to the Aces doing so much in the community uh, while also dominating on the <laughs> basketball court. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. They sure do. Yeah, the Mammal Van, it'll be out there available tomorrow <laughs> at the uh, yeah. at the Aces facility. Well, Paloma, thanks so much. We definitely appreciate you, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Q. Bye. See ya. There she goes. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, on Twitter at Paloma Fox 5 News, here with us on Red Nation Radio 920. And, yeah, they got the event going on uh, tomorrow for the second year in a row. The Aces will be hosting a Mammal Van screening event on the 28th, which appearances by select Aces players, Aces staff, and the mascot buckets. So we'll tell you a lot more about that. Matter of fact, right after training camp tomorrow, I'll be making a beeline from the Raiders facility to the Aces facility. The good thing is, Ari, I just got to go next door. It's just that simple. 3.46 at the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number two. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. It's not too many people that have a movie out about them, a book out about them, and even a song about them. But Coach Ken Carter does. He's coming up, joining us at the top of the hour, 4 o'clock. He's a coach of the Slam Ball team. Slam Ball's going on here in Las Vegas. We'll talk about that, plus a whole lot more that's coming up with Coach Carter at the top of the hour. But right now, throwing out the question there to you, 69187, keyword r r Give me one surprise that you can actually see happening coming out of training camp, 702-365-9200, or again, the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r r Let's go out to the 305 ask, and talk to my man, Brother Marquise Reppin. What's up, my man? What's on, what's on your mind? 
What's good, Q? How you doing? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. Man, I'm great. I'm blessed, bro. Um, couple couple things I wanted to talk about. Uh, just one, I don't think it's being brought up enough already. Max Max Crosby's interview, mm-hmm. um, press conference the other day. I mean, it, this guy for the first time I've seen in in a Ra- for a Raider in a long time. He's owning it. He's like, I'm one of the best in the league. Talking about Patrick Mahomes, he's one of the best. I'm one of the best. He's saying, I'm holding people accountable. He's the, he knows he's the big dog on the block, and he's not afraid to own it. And I'm, I'm fired up about it, man. It, it's, it's, it, it's refreshing to see someone willing to take that leadership role and, and own and say, look, I'm the leader on this team, and I'm going to lead us into where we're going. And so I, I'm fired up about him, and I, and, I, and I was just so impressed with that press conference, and I haven't heard a lot of talk about it. And on another note, real quick, I've heard is there news on this Devonte Adams is about this suspension or anything? Because I haven't heard anything, and I feel like no one's talking about it. I haven't heard anything about anything like that. I don't. Where'd you hear that from? No, I'm, I'm not saying he got suspended. If he is going to, I know that was still they were supposed to be talking about it. With but the, I haven't um, heard is that is that from the the incident that that happened in Kansas City? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't heard anything there. I, I don't think that there's anything to that. But I'll I'll continue to to pay attention to see if there is. But I don't think there's anything there. All right, thank goodness. Yeah, right, no doubt. There he goes, brother Marquise at the three hundred five. Appreciate the call, my man. Uh, as far as Max goes, that was a really good. Uh, that was a really good presser, and I like that. You know, he has such high expectations for himself, and he wants to continue to be. And he has says it all the time. I want to be the best. I want to see him put it all together, like all together. Right? We talk about how how good Max can be. Can he potentially be a a, a guy that's in the running and in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year? I think he can. But I think he's got to put it all together. You know, 12 and a half sacks last year. Okay, you got to be probably close to 15, if not 15. Uh, you got to have some of those strip sacks, some of those game-changing plays at the end of games, right? And, and, and if you're not going to make the play like that, get the pressure and then hope that your, your brothers on the back end make the play uh, that they didn't make last year, right? Make those plays. He's got to have a couple of those. You know, when, in college when, when players go and win the Heisman, you say, oh, that was a Heisman moment. He's got to have that, uh, those Heisman moments. He's got to have a few of those and, and get re- some people talking. And on top of that, the other part of that is the Raiders have to win because he could have a hell of a season. If the Raiders aren't winning, guess what? No one's really going to be talking about it to the level that they should. But I, I agree with you. I like the fact that he's owning that leadership role. He's talking about, you know, holding guys accountable. Uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, whatever he's saying, they could c- continue to do. Like they're following him, but they continue to follow him. I mean, it's good when guys are following early, but can those guys sustain it? That's, that's the question. So uh, we know Max can. He's proven that he can sustain it. Are the other guys going to sustain it? That's something that I want to continue to monitor and pay attention to. And, you know, you're going to see it as much as you can. You know, like we had a question yesterday about did all the offensive guys run after practice, and I don't know, right? I, I couldn't tell you that because we go in about 10 minutes before practice is over and we can't monitor it. So we, we don't know if they st- stood out there and ran or who ran. Uh, was it just Max and a couple other guys or was it, you know, more than that? So, uh, you know, it's, it's good, though, to see that leadership role coming from Mad Max Crosby. Coming up next, we kick off hour number three of the show. Coach Ken Carter will join us. Unnecessary Roughness on Red Nation Radio 920.